Hello everyone, this is Tara. Welcome to God Talk with Tara. We're going to jump in and pray and get going tonight. Father God, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for the questions that you plant in our hearts and the draw and the pull that you exert over us to bring us near to you. Father God, thank you that you shake us from our slumber and draw us that your light shines down on us, Lord God, and that in our moments of darkness, when our eyes cannot see, you are our guide, you are our light, you are our shining, Father, if we would just turn. Father, tonight I pray that you would make me small and make you big. Lord, I pray that, that I would be small, Father. I don't know a better word for that tonight, Lord God. I pray that I would be small and that Jesus would be magnified. That you would be glorious, Lord God. And that your glory would shine on all those who hear tonight. Father, I thank you for all you do. And I thank you for the promise that you will come and inhabit the words of my mouth. Because you have asked and I have come and you will. So thank you, Father, for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So tonight is one of those nights where the Lord was insistent I come without knowing what I was going to say. Um, but he is faithful. And tonight I think we're going to talk a little bit about awakening. I have been studying uh, today. I have been writing a paper on faith and reason and their proper roles uh, and their proper relationships to one another. And it occurs to me that we oftentimes as Christians find ourselves in a state of lethargic doubt. Um, one of the verses that I have looked up for this, and this is not where we're going to land tonight, but it is where we're going to start. One of the verses I had looked up for this paper comes at the end of John. And it says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And I have to say that much to my chagrin, I have spent most of my life asleep to what that means. It's not to say that I have not believed in Jesus, but I cannot say that I have had life in his name. That as I walked and talked and, and moved and had my being in the world, that I was walking in the belief, in the trusted, vested trust, or in the vested trust in Jesus Christ, that he was who he said he was, that he was the Christ, the Son of God, the man that John describes throughout the Gospel of John, who loved and laughed and cried and wept and healed and delivered, who taught and grieved and grew. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And by believing, we may have life in his name. God, please awaken me to that reality, to that truth. Because here's what happens when we read words like that and we don't 
absorb them. When they are simply words on a page that we say we may, we may even say we have faith. I have faith that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God. And by believing, I may have life in his name. And that is a maybe statement, honestly, in my own heart, unless I understand who the Christ is and what the son of God was and why that's important. And unless I can somehow make God real to, to my understanding, not just to my faith, but to my understanding, unless I can encounter the risen savior, unless I can encounter through some faculty of reason, the God of the universe, I will sleepwalk through my life, unable to waken, unable to comprehend the gift that has been offered. Even if I profess it, even if I believe it, I will not walk in it. I will not have life in his name because I won't understand what it is that's been offered and I won't be awake to what it means, to what it demands. I think that's the other part. So I usually listen to music before I, before I start this every night. And tonight the Lord led me to a song by Casting Crowns. If I ever talk about music, they're going to be one of the bands you hear an awful lot about. I have been listening to them for probably close to 25 years now. Um, they are my all time favorite band of any kind, but definitely Christian band. Um, and I love them because the, the music's really great, which is nice, but the words are deep for most of their songs. They are grounded in scripture. They carry a lot of weight in theology. They carry a lot of story to them. Um, they have meat on them. And I really love music that has meat on it. Um, so I, I love listening to their, their work, but this particular song gets me every time. As I'm, I'm listening to this, it, in the second verse, it says, um, oh, and now I can't remember all of the words. It starts with, they wear their darkness on their sleeves. Um, but now that my blinded eyes are open, I see the darkest part of me. We as a people walk through life asleep to what is going on inside of us because we get so focused on what is going on around us. I find the, the lyrics to that song lead me in different places. One of the places it leads me to is sorrow because people do wear their darkness on their sleeves. The first time that really stood out to me as a verse, um, I had been visiting with some people I care very deeply about and who are far away from God. And they had friends there and they all have tattoos, which I don't, it seems to be a thing in this particular generation. I'm not going to complain about that one way or the other. But the tattoos that they carry on themselves generally are very dark and demonic in nature. They're very um, 
celebratory of wicked things. And I was observing that and it struck me that this current generation in particular literally wears their darkness on their sleeves. That they put their tattoos of the darkest nightmares that they have in their minds all over their bodies for the world to see. And that is what they choose to mark themselves with in many instances. Um, and it makes my heart hurt to see that. That that is the, the label they allow on themselves that their minds have been turned to think that they have to accept that reality of that's who they are, that that, that, that is the, the picture that they have chosen to allow someone to paint on the canvas of their bodies. And oftentimes it is a reflection of the picture that they have allowed. Well, oftentimes not allowed that, that has been painted on their souls often against their will. And so that kind of thing makes my heart break for those who are trapped in those places. And oftentimes the people who are trapped in those places are trapped because they don't know how to ask questions. They have a longing. They have a longing for something that they don't understand and they don't know. And God is so big that he is frightening. And so when they approach someone who loves God, um, but as asleep to the reality of who God is, they are oftentimes repulsed by the darkness inside of us. And that makes me want to weep even more. That the reality is, is we as, as Christians who profess Jesus Christ as Lord, who believe that he is the son of God, um, we oftentimes walk through life asleep to the darkness that we hold in our own hearts, to the anger and the bitterness, the frustration, the hurts that have gone down deep and are festering because we've not addressed them and dealt with them, because we've not allowed the Lord to pull them out and heal them. That we dwell in places in, in our hearts and in our minds of darkness and we pretend that God can't see them. We think to ourselves that we can keep that to ourselves, that we don't need to bring that thing to God. And once we once we do that, I actually had to write about something to do with that today too. When I was reading Confessions, um, the part of the book we're in right now talks about Augustine's um, inability to hide the wickedness in him, that, that God knows all of it. And so that he doesn't understand why he has to confess it, but he will confess it because that is what God has called him to do. But God already knows. And I think sometimes we forget that. We, we believe that God is who he says he is. But we don't remember who God says he is. And one of the things God says he is, is omnipotent, that he knows all things, including the depths of a man's heart. That there is nothing hidden from his eyes, that there is nothing um, 
that he does not plumb the depths of. And so as, as we forget that and we ignore that and we, we don't hold to the understanding and reality that God is omnipotent and he knows every hair on our head and every thought in our mind, we fall away from him. We hide the pieces of us that we fear will disappoint him. And in doing that, we harden ourselves to the people who need us to be light. To the people who need us not to have the darkest parts of ourselves. And that's not a, please hear me, that's not a criticism. Every one of us has places that we have been so wounded and so hurt in that are so deeply embedded in scars that it's not that God doesn't know that they're there, it's that we don't. That there are things in us that we just don't realize are hardened and hidden and needing healing and forgiveness and grace. And so it's one of those things where we sometimes actively do that too, though. And that's where we have some control of that. That is where we can pray that the Lord would awaken us, that he would open our eyes to see the darkness in ourselves so that we can bring that to him. I think we're fearful of seeing the darkness in us because we feel like God will love us less. We feel like if we were to actually see all of the the scars and the hurt and the pain and the bleeding and broken places inside of us. Uh, that we would never be able to come before the Lord again. That we would never be able to stand in his presence again because we are so, so dirty and broken and such a mess. And not only would we never be able to stand before him again because we were so filled with shame, we would never be able to look at ourselves again either. We come into these places where everything is so broken and so much in pain. And God has an answer for that. If we will believe because of what has been written, because of what he reveals to us, if we will believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, we will have life in his name because we won't be asleep and blind to the darkness in us and leaving it be where it is, where it can continue to fester and kill us and break us and make us ineffective in helping those who wear their darkness on their sleeve as a scream for somebody to rescue them. For somebody to tell them that that darkness is not all that there is, that there is more. God has some really cool promises in scripture. One of them is, we say it all the time. I have loved being a part of the seedbed community. And one of the reasons that I love that is because the point of them 
is to sow for a great awakening. The point of Seedbed, when J.D. first came up with the idea and with Tim Tennant um, first approved it at Asbury and when it first began, the whole point of Seedbed was to sow for a great awakening, to resource the people of God to learn how to live into the truths of Scripture, to truly venture trust in the reality that Jesus is Lord and Savior. And one of the ways that they have done that over the last few years has been through a Facebook community of people who read the daily devotion that is put out on their blog. And the title got changed this year to the wake up call. And at the beginning of that, at the top is a verse. It's a verse we say in band meetings. It's a verse that says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And that comes from Ephesians 5.14, and I think I read that the other day, where it talks about that the things done in darkness should not be even talked about, but that the light should shine on them, because when the light shines on them, they become visible. And they become light. And so as we awaken to who we are and we awaken to who Jesus is, as we arise from our slumber, Christ will shine on us. He shines that light into us. He makes us visible through the darkness and the darkness flees. One of the coolest things about Augustine's writings is he talks about the beginning that in the beginning, the world was formless and void and darkness was over the waters and that what is darkness but the absence of light. That darkness that is in us is only there because the light of Christ has not yet reached that space. Because we have not opened our eyes and our minds and our hearts and awakened in our souls to the presence of Christ in those dead spaces that are still in darkness. And because we have not done that, they still are there dragging us down and killing us and making us ineffective. If we don't have Christ's light shining on us, it will not shine out of us and onto those who are lost in their own darkness without that hope, without even knowing, because they don't know yet. Because they haven't heard from somebody that they can trust or believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he loves them. So there's a couple of other verses that when I went and looked this one up came up as well. One of them is the future glory of Israel. So Isaiah 60 verse 1 Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Jesus came into the world to be the light and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Did you know that? That as Christians, the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. The glory of the Lord dwells in us by the Holy Spirit, that he dwells in us. So that we carry around with us the glory of the Lord. It's not our glory. 
And there's nothing that's glorious about us in that sense. But we are carriers of God's glory. We are here to carry the glory of the Lord into the world. His light has come. He goes further in Malachi 4.2. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. And you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. I love that image. That's a really awesome image. The light of Christ. The righteousness of Christ has risen in the world. And the promise for us who believe, who fear the name of the Lord, who walk in reverential awe, of God, who walk under the blood of Christ, the righteousness of the Son, the light that comes, comes with healing for us. That light that Jesus shines into us is the healing balm for our souls, for every broken place, for every sinful thought, for every wickedness that has been perpetrated against us for every loss, for every grief, for every pain and fear. The light of Christ is the healing for those things. Brothers and sisters, why do we walk in the darkness still? What is it that we are waiting for? Why do we still hold these things, unwilling to let them go, unwilling to lay them down? I can come up with a thousand excuses, by the way. Somebody did something very wrong to me. They hurt my feelings. They were rude. They were a bully. It might be something really genuine. My husband was an abusive alcoholic. His abuse and, and horrible treatment caused me to lose custody of my children to their father, who was an abusive person of a far different kind and far worse and more damaging to them. I could come up with reasons why I should be angry and hurt. People in the church have betrayed me. God's people have been tremendously ungodly and have done horrible, terrible things. They have deprived me of friendships. They have deprived me of the ability to serve. They have, I can make a lot of excuses for myself and the world will tell me. The world will tell me that I am fully justified in holding on to my anger, that I am fully justified in wrapping myself in indignation, that I am fully justified in trumpeting the injustice of it from the highest rooftops. The world will sympathize. It will sympathize with me right down into the hole as I pull the darkness around me, wrap myself in it, and allow myself to become petrified in sleep and slumber. 
the world and the devil really don't want you to have the light shining on you or in you. Because honestly, there are times when it just feels so much better to be angry or sad or hurt or worried. Um, it gives us something to do. We feel like we're in control of things for some strange reason. When the reality is that is when we are at our most helpless because it is when we are farthest from God. When we wrap ourselves in the dark, pretending that God doesn't know, can't see, we set ourselves apart from him and we make it so that we are walking outside of his light. It's not that he doesn't love us. It's not that he's not there. It's that we place ourselves intentionally outside of the light that is designed to bring us healing and grace and love and freedom and joy. And as I sit here tonight and I, I ponder all of the various threads of God's messages today and the places they've come from and the things that I've been doing, what I keep coming back to is that the people of your church and your community, your families, the people of my church and my community and my families, they can't afford for me to be unwilling to let God's light shine into me. The people of the world right now, and particularly the people of the church right now, cannot afford for us as Christians to hide in our darkness and pretend that God does not see. They cannot afford for us to wear our darkness in the deepest places rather than on our sleeves where God can get at it. They cannot afford for us to hide and to harden and to not shine the light of Christ. The time has come. That is the last verse from Romans 11 or Romans. It doesn't say which chapter. 13, Romans 13, 11. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Friends, I know that Jesus' soon is not the same as your soon. And I know that there have been hundreds of moments in the history of the world since 2,000 years ago where people have proclaimed that the end was near and that we are, we are in the last days and that Jesus is just around the corner. And I will be truthful. I don't know if Jesus is just around the corner. It doesn't really matter. For the days are evil. The days are evil. And it is our job to walk wisely in them, setting ourselves apart. Not so that we can be holier than thou and above everyone else, but so that we can be a light and a beacon of hope and grace and love. So that we can rescue the perishing, not by our power, but by the power of the Jesus that is in us. That compels us to go. And to rescue and to love and to be filled with his light. 
to not hold back the pieces of us that for whatever reason we just want to hold on to. We are called to surrender everything we are to him. To allow him to search our heart and make it clean and renew a right spirit within us so that we can be his vessels. So my friends, tonight, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. And there are there, there are still those who don't yet know that. Father God, thank you for your word and thank you for your promises and thank you for the light of your son. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, God, that in our frailty and in our falling, you still love us even when we are buried in our darkness or even when we've wrapped ourselves around it to the point we don't even know it's there anymore, that you see us, Father, that you know us and that you love us still. That there is nothing in us that is hidden from you and you love us still. God, help us to know that and to walk in that, to believe that, Lord God. To read the Gospels and know that they were written so that we would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that we might have life in his name. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for showing us who you are. God, help us to stand in your light. To be your light. And to carry that light into the darkest of places so that the darkness will flee. We ask in Jesus' name and by your spirit and all for your honor and glory, Lord. Amen. Be blessed and be a blessing.